The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover the Golden Ticket Game, our recommended game of the week, discuss incomplete games in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with our wives' high five favorite games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my esteemed co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How's it going, Michael? What's happening, Doug? Another uh, week of games? Another week of games. All right. Well, we're last week we teased it. We're working on YouTube technology to try and get YouTube, some... YouTube, Doug, not YouTube. YouTube. That's, that's a different technology <laughs> okay. and program. So that's still... YouTube. I'm working on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, good. YouTube's still about to come out. <laughs> um but we are working on trying to get a video version of our podcast, or at least a high five, and maybe we're going to do some other stuff with it. Last week was a bust. We're trying it again. All about improvement. Yeah. yeah. can only get better, right? Uh, when you set the bar so low that you can trip over it, you can only get better. Constant improvement. Yep. What have you played this week, Michael? So I played with my eldest some Dice Throne Season 2. Josie Ooh. and I have been absolutely crushing that with different characters. We found out that the samurai is overpowered greatly. <laughs> Boom, bang. A uh, different conversation for a different time. And then Savannah Park, which we talked about in episode 56, I believe. I played that with my two youngest, with Eliza and Maggie. And that, that was a lot of fun. So when you're playing Dice Throne, you're just the two straight two player, one versus D one? Yeah, this was the first time we did player versus player, a little PvP action. We've always played Adventures, which is the co-op where you're doing a dungeon crawl or a boss battle. But Josie is starting a, a Dice Throne club at her school. Uh, so we went ahead and, and um, played some some player versus player. All right. Uh, I got some stuff to the table this Tell week. Tell us about it, Doug. I played Drop It. Have we? Have you played Drop It? So Drop It is, is a game. It's almost like the... Um, more advanced style of a, a connect. Imagine a Connect Four board. Okay. Okay, but it's just a, a glass sh plexiglass sheet that you are dropping shapes down into, almost like a plinko style type oh. thing. And you cannot. You have different shaped pieces and all in your same color. Okay. And when you drop it in, your piece cannot be touching another one of your pieces or the same shape of another player. Who'd you play that with? With Piper and Emily, so this nice. is with the six and and ten year old, um, and you're dropping it, and how how high you can get it to stack is how you score points, and it's a quick game, it's fast, it's not overly thinky. It does towards the end where you're like, oh wait, I can't put that piece down there, or that's going to hit that, you know. And there's always yep. the the possibility of kind of the uh, bounce off and the the dexterity element where things happen that you didn't think were going to happen sometimes work out in your favor and sometimes don't. Um, so that was great. We played that. We played a, a game of Outfoxed. We lost oh, for the yeah. first time, which was uh, good. I enjoy when when you lose a cooperative game with kids every once in a while because it's not. If if you're winning every time, what's the point? You know, well, that, it's fun. That gives you that. 
well, yeah, okay, well, it can be fun, I guess. Um, and the last one we played is The Initiative. Um, oh, I'm jealous. Emily and I started The Initiative, so that was pretty cool. That's a, uh, the I think the company is Unexpected Games, yep. and it was branched off by a member of Fantasy Flight. One of their kind of lead designers went and started this company, and they're trying to do unique things in gaming. And so this one has a lot of word puzzles and solving things, and there's a, a narrative as you go from game to game. So what do you mean you started it? Is it... Uh, it's a campaign-style, legacy-ish okay. type game where you... Okay. Not legacy in the element of ripping up or opening new envelopes. You're kind of unlocking cards and revealing new new items. So cool. you're playing through a little bit of like a comic book. There's a whole premise behind the game. It's, it's really cool. I'm interested to see how that... Um, plays out how long did you guys play how much did you get through we played one game and it was i don't know 20 minutes okay it's so on my want to play list i see seem, seems pretty fast okay and so far i i i think it might have that situation where it people have applauded it for its uniqueness but then it kind of fell out of favor yeah. or, or people didn't really like one aspect of it and i think that might just be a hidden property of hardcore gamers wanting more from a game than what they're getting. Okay. And I think maybe on that family scale, it might be just perfect. Okay. Uh, but, you know, jury's still out. The other thing I wanted to talk about is I just got word today that one of my favorite games of all time is being reprinted. Tell us about it. Which is Birds of a Feather, which is a roll... No, it's not a roll and write game. It's a... It's not even a... You are playing birds out almost like a – you have bird cards. This is hard to explain. There are bird cards in your hand, Doug. I'm yes. getting that feeling. <laughs> yes. And then what are you doing with the bird cards in your hand? Every turn, one person takes one card from their hand and lays it down. Yep. And that becomes the environment that everyone is bird watching in. Or you are you are bird watching in the area of the bird that you put down. Okay. So if you and I put birds down from the same area, we can see each other's birds. Then the next round happens, we do the same thing, except all the birds that we played the round before are still lingering there. So if Katie then played the the, uh, the habitat that we had played the round before, yeah, she can see the birds that we played the previous round and her birds and any new ones. Okay. And then the ones in the middle go away and then new birds come in. And so I don't even know what type of game it's called, but you are... Trying to see as many birds as possible. Okay, you're a bird watcher. You are a bird watcher, and some of the birds are more valuable. So you're trying to plan out when you're going to play it so you can get benefit from it, but not everybody else. Ah. And so it's just a real interesting, it's almost like a trick-taking puzzle. Roll and write has all of those kind of things jammed into it, just a... <sighs> It's a good game. I love it. And good. it's it's always been one of my favorites and you you own it, right? I do own so it. So then why are you excited that it's becoming reprinted so that other people so can more own people it can get it. So I can it? talk about it and people will know what you're talking about. And that they can possibly get it instead of talking about unobtainium games that people can't Interesting. Can't, can't get. So Did you just make up that word or is that a real word? Unobtainium. Unobtainium? I feel like it's something from Marvel. That's what I thought too. So. Okay. <laughs> Good, good, it's good. an elusive element. Did you we'll have procure to watch anything this I, week? I did not. Okay. How about you? 
I did. It's on the way. I got the Libertalia game that was pre-order eligible yesterday. And that already shipped out. And it already shipped out. And it will be the last game that I get, the last game that I procure for at least 40 days because over Lent, I've given up buying board games. So enter sad face here. It's a bold, bold move, Cotton. Yep, yep, 40 <laughs> days. So yesterday was the last one. You know I have so. Libertalia, right? The original one? I, I did. I do know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Didn't I'm, want to I'm, try it out first. You're just diving Stonemeier right in. fan. I, I like what they boy. do, and I have not been disappointed yet. All so right. looking well, for a reason to get angry or happy, right? <laughs> it's a win-win. All right. I've got a couple coming in, but they are still in transit. On the water? No. Closer than that. They're on the land. I have they're several on. on the land. I just don't know when they're going to be in my house. Several but. on the land, several on the water. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, so that is kind of what's been going on this week. Reminder, if you've got questions, comments, things, reach out to us. Yep. Uh, you can contact us on our website, uh, gameschooler.com, and then email us, email at gameschooler.com. We've been hearing from some of our listeners, and it's great to interact awesome. with them. Yeah. And any questions you have, comments, things that you want to know about, we are happy to help you. So, And a big thank you to those who have been poking around our website, too, and asking questions about some of our skill builders and notebooks and things like that. He's Doug. I'm Michael. We are the Game Schooler podcast all right let's move on to the recommended game of the week the recommended game of the week the recommended game of the week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content this week's game is the golden ticket game one too many games in that paragraph, Doug. Buy Buffalo Games. <laughs> Give us the stats. I, I can't help it that they put game in the title of their game. Uh, published in 2021, the designer is A.C. Atienza. The artist is not available on Board Game Geek. Two to five players, 20 to 30 minutes, ages 10 and up, but Board Game Geek says eight and up. Which we agree with. Yeah, that's... Pretty accurate. Use strategy on every move and play your Wonka candy cards to collect as many Wonka bars as you can You can to better your odds of finding a golden ticket. When the last Wonka bar is picked up, everyone opens up their collection to see who's got a golden ticket. This family strategy game requires planning, combo making, and a little bit of luck. On a player's turn, they can do two actions. The actions consist of playing cards from their hand, discarding a card to move one space, or refilling their hand back up to their draw size. When a character lands on the game board space, they can also use the action listed on that space as part of their move. At the beginning of the game, a limited number of golden tickets are added to the Wonka bars depending on the number of players. The bars are then mixed up, and the whole point of the game is to try and earn as many Wonka bars as possible throughout the game to better your chances of ending with a golden ticket. When all the Wonka bars from the pool are claimed, the game is over. At this point, all players will unwrap the bars they've earned. Any player that ends with at least one golden ticket wins, and any player that does not end with a golden ticket loses. Losers! So that is how the game is played, very much like the opening scene of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or the Willy Wonka movie, yeah. where everybody is in a mad scramble to try and get as many Wonka bars as possible. Now, this recommended game of the week is a little bit different than others that we've recommended. Did you want to start off and just tell our listeners and, and, yeah. and viewers ab yeah. about some of the nuances of the game to yeah, draw their there, attention to it? There is luck in the game. 
The winner of this game is going to come down entirely to luck. Of course, you can better your odds of, of succeeding, but at the end of the day, it's luck at the end of the game. So there's a good chance hardcore gamers are not going to like this game wah, because wah. of that. But to me, it's all about the attitude that you have going into the game is more important than thinking, you know, you're not sitting down at this game thinking you're, you're playing a hardcore Euro and then being shocked that all of a sudden, what, I I did the best and I still lost. Yeah, so I, can I jump in on that yeah, one real yeah. quick? I'm a hyper-competitive individual. And I think people who, who know me will say, yeah, Michael does not handle losing well most of the time. The first time I played this game, I collected 22 out of the 45 bars in the box for a total of 48.8% of the chocolate bars. And <laughs> it was a three-person game, so there are two golden tickets in the box, right? In the, in the game that we played. Yeah. I lost. And I'll tell you what, it was still a fantastic experience. So the the luck, what you just talked about, that's actually one of the pieces that, that I enjoy. It's not the most chocolate bars wins. Um, I love how the game combines the instant gratification of I'm collecting all this and I don't know if I won. Yeah. The, I, so that... Although it's a caveat or a nuance that you wanted to let people know on the front end, it's something that I really like about the game. And when we get into our skills, I'm going to talk more well, about. It's, it's, to me, it's one of those yin and yang, double-sided coin things, because although I see why people would not like that at all, it's actually one of the things that I love most about the game, especially from, and I hope this is a cutting off your skill section, it's got what I, I have it in my what I like section, but the lesson that you can teach your kids about, yeah, you try your best, you get as many as you can, it still might not work out. Resilience, right? You know, you gotta be resilient. And it's on, it's in both of our skills. I don't know how it couldn't be, but that, that whole thing that, that a hardcore gamer might look at as a negative, I see as a gigantic positive is that you know, sometimes you just need to get in the game and buy one Wonka bar and you might win. You could. And other times you may do your due diligence and end up with 75% of the Wonka bars and you still lose. And those lessons are, are But it huge. comes down to the last bar. It sometimes. seems like it. It, it yeah. seems like it in the games that we've played, that's for sure. The, what, what else do you like about the game, Doug? I mean, the production on this game is awesome for 20 bucks for 20 Are bucks you kidding? and it's like i would be happy with this production at a 40 dollar don't price say that point. out loud <laughs> they might check the price up but, before i get my I hands would. on i it. mean the the wonka bars which this is a, a little caveat is that don't think that you're going to open this up and play right away because you got to build all the little boxes that the these these wonka bars are little plastic chocolate bars that have like a little recessed inside that is where the golden ticket sticks in and then you put it back into this cardboard package so it looks like a a chocolate bar sitting on the table it takes a little time to set up but that quality like you pull it out it's got little chocolate pieces looks like a little hershey chocolate bar that you're pulling out yeah um that it's got wood components the cards uh the um the cards are good the art good quality the art is amazing and, and the thing about it is the theming, this is not just a pasted on, oh, well, we can just put Willy Wonka. This is not like Willy Wonka Sorry right. or Willy Wonka Candyland that we can just paste Gene Wilder on and it's going to be good to go. This is actually themed around Willy Wonka 
in a good way. Yeah. Right? It's not it's not pasted on, which I love about it. The other thing that I really like about it where I think at one point for us in our stringent criteria, it's probably eight to twelve minutes per player in terms of, of game time. So overall twenty to thirty minutes. You can get this in in a class period. Yeah. You can get this in in, in a, a very, very brief time. You're gonna complete this game. Uh, the game has nine different tiles on it. Each tile or location has an A side and a B side. So there's some variability there, especially with the different characters that you can play. So I know the movie is a, a straight call out to the Warner Brothers version, right? With Gene Wilder, yeah. Warner Brothers version. But I also got the the book feeling, book vibe to it a little bit too, because there's so much text involved. So when we get into the... 8-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-plus, 12-plus. Just keep that in mind. There there are a lot of different cards, and there is a lot of text. So if you are an adult who loves to get immersed playing games, if you're playing with an early reader, you're going to need to do some of that reading. Yeah. But anyone who is an independent reader, I think the game is pretty straightforward. Um, there, there is quite a bit of text, though, on the cards to get sorted out. Yeah. But the more that you play and you figure out what those cards actually do, I think the better off you are. Yeah, and I, I love the the cards that you play are all candy. They're, and the artwork on those cards it's cool. is awesome. Yeah. It's so well done that it, you know, just looking at it and feeling like, oh, my gosh, I've got the uh can now i can't think of what the one candy is called what to the, do the scrumdiddlyumptious scrumdiddlyumptious you know so you've got these things and and the the artwork on it is so great and the way that they handled the you know, they don't use movie stills yeah in this the artwork is is great and like you've got charlie buckets but he doesn't have a a face you can imagine you're him there's no tie in to the rest of the movie outside of gene wilder is the only right. character that's um Actually, their face is actually drawn in, but I just feel like they handle that so well. You know what else I like about it? The the cards, where if you, when you play a card, because on your turn, you get to do two of three actions, right? When you play a card, you get to access the action or ability of that card, or movement is so critical because if I move into location, then I get the bonus of that location. So do I play this card below or do I discard it to move? I think that little decision is a great opportunity for people to grow in their gaming abilities, right? Yeah. So those young gamers, it really gives them that decision point of, well, do I want to move to that location to possibly get more chocolate bars or do I want to play this card? I love that agentic transaction decision point, whatever you know jargon we want to use here. I, yeah. I just love that opportunity that you get within that game. Yeah, and one of the things that you can do is as you play cards in front of yourself on your little player board, you can then go to different locations and they call it sweeping. You can get yeah. rid of those cards from your player area and then get a, Trading a special them in bonus. For an action. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a, a little bit of a there's a lot of little games going on throughout the game that I think are so interesting that make the process worthwhile that even though the end is decided by luck, you still enjoy the process of getting there. Yeah. And there's, there's a fine, 
a, a fine tuning with the game. I know the, the last game we played right before we came on air, I'd plan my next three moves. I was like, well, I'm just going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. I'm going to collect all these bars. Then I'm going to go over to that space and turn them in and get 30 bars. In the meantime, what did you do with your $14, Doug? Got 14 bars. And yes, you cleaned, did. Cleaned out the marketplace. Ching, 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 ching. And the game was over. And I had thought too far ahead, right? This, yeah. this, this is golden ticket. This yeah. is Willy Wonka. I, I wasn't playing, like you talked about, a heavy game where I was get rewarded for being efficient and thinking ahead. Yeah. At the end, I was left over with about $12 that I didn't spend, and all the chocolate was gone. So yeah. that, that was good. Well, and it doesn't outstay its welcome, right? There's, yeah. there's the, the process is fast. There's that great tension of, I, I love how you said there's the instant gratification and the delayed gratification in this game because it's, it's fun while you're acquiring the Wonka bars. Yeah. It's fun at the end when you're opening the Wonka that bars. That end game scenario is a blast. Well, it, it reminds me, the end game reminds me of collecting baseball cards. When I was little, that anticipation was like, I hope I get Orion Sandberg in this. You know, I want, you know, the Walter Payton card, and you're just hoping yep. that that's in there. And it's like, oh, I saved up my allowance. I've got it. And I, I, I feel that while I'm playing this game, right? You feel yeah, like that's, that's spent, a good call. I spent this money, and it's like, now I get to open my Wonka bars. And it's like, I hope there's a golden ticket. And it's, it's funny because I think in the last, in a two-player game, and we've played more than, than just two players, but in a two-player game, there's 36 bars in the game with one winner. So you're opening a lot of bars and to find that, that ticket. That one, yeah. You know? And even in a three-player game where there were two tickets, it was, it was the same thing. It came down to the very last <laughs> bar that you were opening, and I still had a stack. I think yeah. I had 10 or 12 of them. I was like, well, what is one? No! And I was yeah. Augustus, so there was. A, even though I lost, I was still happy that Augustus lost. Yeah, right? I and, didn't want him to get the win. And there is a <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of take that in the game. There are some take that cards where you can take from uh, the other players, take from the other yeah. players. Which, but I, it doesn't. I don't think it's strong enough that it. Mm, it could be with siblings. I mean, there if you're playing with siblings, yeah. there there could be a power dynamic there where one sibling is just beating up on but, another sibling. But in a, in in one in particular, there is a, a defense against it, right? Yeah. If you have the card, you can. We'll you talk can more stop about it. that in our skills. I have um, a skill where I want to highlight that. Uh, the last thing is the only thing I'm I'm not sure of is how much of this game I'm swayed by um, nostalgia. Mm. of the of the theming however you know we were talking during dinner tonight and and talking about later on in this episode we're gonna you have and our, your family were yes our um high five it's good wives. that you guys talk during dinner we try to good um some with their mouth full some not but we were we were talking about our high five for this week which is the the our wives uh five favorite our games. wives favorite games yep and so my oldest daughter emily was talking about oh well i want to make my list and she was talking about that, and you had she, to be so proud. She you? actually, oh, I Didn't was, I was light beaming. Up like, yeah. I was beaming. That's my girl. Um, <laughs> but she actually said that this was her number one. She's like, I love wow. that chocolate factory game, and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have called that. But so, so maybe it's not just me and nostalgia that that there's no, something that connects with the game. My my one area of concern to just bring up to our listeners now is. I don't know if this is going to be available in six or 12 months. And that that's not something that enters our criteria at the time of, 
of broadcast. But in doing the research today, I did have that feeling of, boy, for $19.99, and it's only available at very limited places in North America, Target and, and Amazon right now. and From what I can gather, from, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say get it now before it goes away, but, boy, I had that feeling today of, well, when Lent's over, I hope that the game is still available because I, I want to add that to our collection. I think... If you know Willy Wonka, if you like Willy Wonka, or if you like playing games that have some, some luck and player movement, this is one you're going to want to add to your game school or library. Yeah. All right. So every game that, that we talk about here has got skills that your kids can pull skills. out of it and learn. And we like to highlight some of those skills that are in a game like this. Uh, what do you got, Michael? We Obviously, we talked about resilience. I don't know that we need to go over that again, which is a no, game. No, we both had resilience in most... Uh, most uh, what we talked about so a game yeah. that teaches students how to quickly recover from and cope with difficulties where this is unique it, it's in the end game yeah so i think you have to have resilience so that you keep coming back to the table and the most doesn't always win so in the game that you that we played with your dad i mean I played an awesome game, Doug. You, you yeah. had to be impressed, right? That oh, was, was one totally. of the best games I ever I, played. I mean, I, I had stacks upon stacks. My movement was clean and flawless, when and the, I lost. When the game, <laughs> when the game, when that game was over and everybody left for the night, I wrote down in my diary how good Michael did at that game and what Dear skill, diary. what strategies I could learn from him. Michael shocked me today with his awesomeness, <laughs> with and his, he still lost. Yeah, with Dear his diary, with that his, game is wonderful. With his golden ticket prowess. <laughs> No, another skill that I have is goals, and we define goals as a game in which students have clearly defined victory conditions that they must work towards winning the game. And there are many goals throughout the game in order to gain as many chocolate bars as possible in just some of that instant gratification. You have, you talked, you did a great job of explaining to our listeners how sweeping works. So if I collect uh, sets below my player mat or a specific number, I can sweep and get rid of them and trade them in for either money or chocolate bars. Um, you know, th my favorite turn tonight in the game that we played was my first turn. I had a huge <laughs> first turn. I did a whole bunch of things. And there's just the, that those fun little hyper turns, I think you would call it where it's a super turn worked into the game. And um, so that's a, my core skill for the night. Yeah, my core skill is one that I've actually never, we've never talked about before. You sure? And you, I'm you went positive. through all 60 previous episodes? Go ahead. Yes. And that is empathy. And this is an attitude core skill, which is, the, uh, we have it here as the repeated playing of tabletop games helps students balance the highs of winning and the lows of losing. After every game played, students learn the benefits of losing without personal or financial ruin and gain confidence of winning while embracing empathy. And I think this is one that goes towards the younger kids in, in that, that middle school and younger age bracket where understanding how the other players are feeling when you lose or win at the end of the game. Because I think a poor reaction... You know, uh, uh, one of my daughters jumping up and down and screaming and running around the room when the other one just had more Willy Wonka bars and lost. I think there's a great game of teaching how those dynamics work and really being aware of how the other people are feeling at the table when the game ends. So that's why I put empathy on there as one of our attitude core skills that you can get from, from every game that you're playing. But I think this one really highlights uh, the way... 
the way we re- we react during and after games. Marvel United ticket to ride. I'm up through Azul. I'm up through seven of my uh, game schooler notebook. Just double checking your math. I think we've had empathy before. I don't think so. But to I your certainly point, have have no, not. No, it, it's. Uh, please have empathy for me as I try to prove you wrong, Doug. A, a, a skill that you have so um, dutifully mastered towards me. You're right. It's in the game. It's not one we talk about often. And boy, for a, a eight-year-old, 10, 12-year-old, what a great skill to be able to work on. We've talked about goals, resilience, empathy. Another one that we have certainly talked about often is tactical thinking. Yep. I've got that Willy one as well. Wonka moves and new cards are put in out in the game all the time. And this is a game that uh, we define tactical thinking. Sorry, stumbling a little bit here. A game that challenges students to make decisions based on currently available and frequently changing information. And the player move the players move and Willy Wonka moves. So you got to be thinking on your feet. You cannot, as I talked about earlier, you cannot be planning my next three moves i'm going to know you won't be able to do that sorry the game's changed the board has changed yeah yeah i've definitely got it for the exact same reasons you're you're constantly juggling your immediate turn right you you can maybe think uh, one turn ahead but that's about it and it's it's more about what's yeah, the best what's the best stuff i can do now which always lends itself to me to that tactical thinking is what am i doing on this turn and it's based on the currently available information for me to to make the best move. Uh, the next one I've got is one that you actually talked about earlier, which is reading and writing. Yeah. And this is a game that does not have a lot of uh, symbiology, symbiology, symbiology. Oof, that's a tongue twister. Symbology. Uh, Nor iconography. Correct. Those are all words. Um, <laughs> So it does, each card has an ability, each player has a special ability, which is a reminder, that's something that I wanted to talk about that, that I enjoyed, uh, mm. is the the variability of this game. Each player has their own player power, there's the dual-sided uh, boards um, that are in the game, and now that I'm thinking about it, I do need to also bring up this other part, which is a negative. The coins in this game... They are in denominations of one and three, very little distinguishing they characteristics. Look very similar between yeah, the two. That's so a problem. that's a miss, but uh, Doug, I'm gonna jump back in and participate and engage in this segment. I've gotten <laughs> through reading? through twelve episodes yeah. uh, looking for empathy just to try to say yes, we did, but I, I'm back with you now. I'm okay. with you. All right. There's a ton of reading in here. Yeah. It's on the cards, it's on the locations, and it's on your special ability. And that's great. Yes. Right? Because what are kids going to do when they play this game? They're gonna search through their hand, they're going to look. And one of the actions that you can take, you can refill your hand up to four. And when I've played this game, I find myself drawing cards and furiously reading. Uh, but it's not cumbersome. I don't no. think it's too much. I think it, it's it might be a little too much for people who don't read very well. Yeah. If I don't read too good yet, as my Eliza would like to say. <laughs> but it's it's in a in a good way. Good. Right. What else do you have? The last one I got on the list is resource management, a game that boosts a student's capacity to efficiently and effectively oversee available assets. This pops up in the money. You can buy Wonka bars, so managing your money, how to get money, and then more importantly, managing your cards and those actions and movements in order to efficiently get 
get as many Wonka bars as possible. And in the conversion, right? When yeah. you're converting money to Wonka bars or sweeping Wonka cards, bars, Wonka bars to more Wonka bar, whatever. There's there's certainly some resource management there. That's yep. good. So I have two more on my list yet. I'll go quick with them. Responsiveness is a game that tests a student's mental reaction time. I'm glad I did the prep earlier today on this because boy. Was I caught off guard when you traded in 14 coin to get 14 <laughs> bars? And, and well, 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 what do you mean there's only one bar left? I have three moves before I get my big 15 bars. So you have to be able to respond and be quick on your feet. It goes with the tactical thinking in this game. Uh, and then anything to add on that or poke holes in? No, I think that's that's decent. You'll I think yeah, it. it definitely goes with the uh, tactical thinking. I'll allow it. And then spatial perception, a game that strengthens a student's understanding of the spatial relationships with the objects in their environment and themselves. So getting your character from point A to point B and using cards to do it, cards help you to move, or using the... the um, why am I calling them abilities? What are they on the cards? The actions, the well, yeah, outcome? you can discard cards, a card to move a location to a different move yeah, a but space. they're also when but you there enter are, a location. Oh, they're, they're, yeah, they're location abilities. Uh, location abilities, yeah. And, so that's what they are. Yeah, and the location abilities are the ones where you're going to do those really powerful moves mm-hmm. are happening at the location abilities, not from the cards. So there is trying to figure out how you can get to the locations you need to maximize the awesome the awesome turns and then and even get to Willy Wonka because if you end your turn on Willy Wonka space he'll give you a free Wonka bar yeah thanks for uh, the help on that so that's what I was trying to say so all right, that's well, the golden ticket game by Buffalo Games yeah a little redundant there but uh and it's so weird that it's called the Golden Ticket Game because I don't know that it says it on the box. I think it just says Golden Ticket. Well, and my thing is they might want people to know that it's a board game. The box is a little bit, it's just one color with a golden ticket on it. So if somebody's tripped over it in the middle of the night, they might not know what it is. So now they know that they have a board game on their hands, right? And a great one for $20. So Yeah, it's awesome. That is the Golden Ticket Game, our recommended game of the week. And we will be back with the School of Gaming. The School of Gaming. In this School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas, we hope, in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be, we'll be discussing incomplete games, or incomplete sentences if I keep talking, <laughs> What if you run out of time? Or what if you just don't finish the game because the kids walk away? Mm. So is it good or bad? Well, can I tell you the story? Can we go story time on our podcast here about this? Uh, yes, please do. This week? Hold on, I let got, me get a blanket. This week, I got Savannah Park to the table, which I told you was one of my goals. And so I was really proud of <laughs> myself this Saturday. Um, I had the kids all to myself this weekend. My wife was out of town, and then she had to work. And so it was just me and the kiddos. And Sunday, we got Savannah Park to the table. House is still standing? House is, uh, yeah, clean, man. Clean, right. come on. Uh, congr- I keep it correct. Congratulations. You know what I'm Thank you. My, my house, would, if that were the case and the roles were reversed, we'd be having Pop-Tarts and oh, frozen pizzas. Well-fed, laundry done, dishes done, and board games to the table. Come on. Super, Dad. It was fun. It's Mr. Mom over but here. We got Savannah Park to the table, 
that game was recommended in, in episode 56, and it does run. You know, it's interesting because one of the caveats that we said about that game, it runs to the 40 to 50 minute time, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm playing with my six-year-old and my nine-year-old, but what do you think happened right at that 30 minutes? And keep in mind, they also had a game teach in there. So at that 40-minute mark, what were they wanting to do? Something else, right? Yeah. And you know what? It was okay. And I had that that realization that, oh, wow, they got the skills. They played the game. They had fun. They still want to play the game. But I, as a completionist, someone who always tries to complete the task, (laughs) who was the only person that struggled (laughs) with the incomplete game at the table, Doug? Me. Yeah. It didn't matter. The kids still had a blast playing it. They learned how to play it. They had fun. They now know how to play it next time. And the only person who was dissatisfied by having an incomplete game and not doing the end game scoring was the adults at the table. And that's where I thought, okay, this is definitely a school of gaming topic because there is value in playing the game if it doesn't always get completed. Yeah. Um, I, I think so. That's where I just wanted to bring it here and get your thoughts on that. And, and, and wonder, ha, have you ran into that? And we didn't talk about this offline because we try to keep this fresh. So is this something you've ran into? Or do you demand that your children <laughs> always finish the game? Yes. Uh, it's not something that I, I don't think I've run into it. I mean, there are certainly we've played games where it drifts away, right? Where you've got some of those games where it's kind of more an activity and not necessarily about who finally won. Like those, they can kind of peter out on. But for the most part, I don't know that we've run into a situation where like, okay, we just need to stop now. The um, games will continue until morale improves. <laughs> I mean, I think I think whether it's good or bad can come down to the individuals involved because I think there are kids that would be I, I feel like even with my own kids is if we ended, I feel like one of them would be upset that the final scoring didn't happen and the other one wouldn't care. You know, so I think every classroom or or kid is going to have a different reaction to yeah. that. And I think it depends on why. And I, first of all, I think the skills are still learned regardless Absolutely. of whether the game is finished. There are some things that you don't get to see the full resolution on. Um, whether but those for are... some kids, that doesn't always matter. No, it's the no. playing of the game. Like my six-year-old was having a tough time flipping the tiles or remembering. So she was was getting a little fiddly on her board. And my nine-year-old just kind of wanted to move on and play. You know, she's like, yeah, "Yeah, we've we've been doing this for a half hour. It's time to do something different, Dad. Um, I I just hadn't had that experience because you you know me, Doug. Am I going to allow people to leave a game without finishing? No, you got to complete the game. You play to the end. You play hard hard to the end. Yeah, so I just, I'm coming from a place of encouragement, especially if you're in the school setting. It's okay to not finish the game. I think you can still earn those skills without necessarily finishing the game all the time. Well, and I think it's important to understand why why did it happen? You know, because there's a lot of reasons that something like that happens. You know, in some cases, it's in, in a school setting, you may have literally just run out of time. Yeah. You know, the, the period ends and you've got to, to or move the fire on alarm or happened or yeah, that an type all of call thing. happened or. The other thing is, you know, it's like if you've got disinterested kids and they are done with the game, that's one thing. If nobody at the table, I mean, if nobody at the table is enjoying it, by all means, end the game. Well, and, you know, that's and that's what I just want to come back to real quick, though. I, I checked in on that because yeah. at the end of the day when the game was put away and the kids know and they weren't afraid that I was going to sell it if they didn't like it, I did just to check in, hey, uh, Maggie, is that a game you'd play again? Oh, yeah, Dad. That was fun. Yeah, sure. 
And Eliza said to, to her ma, we, we played a fun game. We played a really yeah. fun game. So, But I think it's important to understand, wh- I mean, that's your particular case, but and when you're talking about the idea of unfinished games, there's a lot of reasons why yeah. unfinished games don't, ha- you know, unfinished games happen. I would um, contend that not the kids don't always need to have the game finished to enjoy it. I guess that that's, I would sure. make that yeah, statement that, here. And I mean, here's the other thing too, is if... Because there's two ways to look at it: is if it's a if it's a negative or if it's detrimental. If you have the kid that, you know, or several kids that want that resolution, it's like, well, what can you do? Yeah. You know, is there alternatives? You know. So, do you have anything to add or attack that question? What if you run out of time? Well, it's the idea of the two things that I thought of is is one: is it possible to keep the game set up? You know, so if you are, you know, game schooling. Yeah, there's a good example: taking a picture. Um, but if you can keep it set up, I mean, I know in some classrooms that's not the case. If you're homeschooling or it's family game night, it might be set up in a different table at your house. And it's like, all right, let's take a break. Let's go eat dinner, and then we'll come back after, or maybe we'll come back tomorrow. So we do that in our yeah. house. Eliza and I have done that with more than one game. We've done that with Incubation, the dragon hatching game, where it's a little bit longer for the two of us. It takes 45 minutes, and we, we run out of time. I take a picture of it and yeah. keep it ready for the next time. And I think in the idea of when I think about incomplete games and I think about teachers and, and running out of time or, or parents, and I think part of the idea is, is there ways to prevent it in the first place? Mm. And one of it is knowing your game, the, the proper planning, and, you know, every... <laughs> A lot of us gamers look at a box and say, mm, it says 60 minutes. I think I can get it done in 45. So be a better, more efficient human and you won't run into this problem? Is that what you're telling No, I'm listeners? saying that when, we, when, we, when the box says 60 and then we say, I think I can get it in 45, knowing that the publisher puts 60 on there because it really takes 70 or 80 minutes, but oh, they want to yeah. sell it better. And we're still thinking, well, I can still do better than that. And then you get in and actually play the game. You're like, this is a 90-minute game. We are not going to finish <laughs> this one. That goes into me of of the the planning, making yeah. sure you're reviewing the game before you're introducing it to your kids, that you know as much as you can about it so you're efficient with your teach. You know what you're getting into ahead of time and saying and being able to say, Yes, I really like this game, and it might be very close, but we're not going to finish it in time. And is that going to be okay? Maybe I need to pick a different game. Yeah. You know, some of those pre-planning things, because I know I'm often of the case where it's like, oh, let's play this game. And then I get into it and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, Yeah. And, and the I, whole I day di- disappears. Uh, adults who are in the room with us right now and nodding their head and, oh, yeah, I've had that happen before. I'm, I'm just making an admission to our listeners it's okay if if kids lose interest. If yeah. somebody's not as engaged as I am, and if they don't have to go on that journey of end game scoring, that's okay. Move on. I had a lot of fun while we played, and and that was interesting. That was a, a new experience for me as a as a gamer and and as a dad, frankly. Yeah, and I think that's great. I think that's the the I think the the whole point of it is that yes, you can still get skills. You can still enjoy it. There may be reasons to end it. There may be reasons that you can prevent that happening yeah. in the future is all part of this whole concept. And, and it's something we talk about all the time is it, it depends on your kids. It depends on your family on whether something like that is going to work or not work. Were you in the CBC club, Doug? Uh, what the, is that? The, 
or CPC, sorry, the Clean Play Club. Was that you growing up where you had uh, yes. to be in the clean plate club yes. to get dessert? Yes. Yeah. So this was this was hard for me. I feel like <laughs> I really evolved as a as a human and as a father. You're making this, real this strides, weekend. Michael. I We're am. very proud of you. I am. Oh, we didn't complete the game and it was still fun and it's still in our collection. All right. So hopefully if you got any other questions about incomplete games or anything that we talked about here, email us at email at gameschooler.com. We'd be happy to to elaborate yeah. further or answer any other questions you may have on on a topic like this. And you this. know what? When you email us, it typically does become a topic. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the high five. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. And this week we have a very special high five. We asked our wives what their favorite games were. And we are going to give you that list right now. Did What did Emily think when you asked her this question? No, it was awesome. I mean, my, my youngest is home for the second day with a cold. She's congested. So you're probably like, Michael, where is this going? So I actually got to talk to her. This wasn't a, oh, hey, I need you to text me your five favorite games of all time. I need this for the show tonight. It, we I got to have a conversation. So I was surprised by... She rattled off one and two like that. It was boom and boom, which you're going to hear in a few minutes. But then three, four, and five, she got into that, oh, well, this one needs to be on the list for my childhood. And and, and this one, if it, it has to be because of the family connection. So it was good. How about you? It was great. I, uh, yeah. I initiated it with a text while we were at, I was at dance class with one kid. She was at gymnastics with another kid. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, by the way, this is going on. She's like, Here's some off the top of my head, but then she made. We had to go down to the game room, and she had to look at all the oh, games. Oh wow! You did the tour. Yeah, and you then you wouldn't she, let her get away. How many are on honorable mention? Is this really a list of ten? It's a list of seven, and but she then. So we went down here, and then she also made. Like she had to paper it out. Like yeah. we, we were oh, wow. pen, pen to pad of like, okay, here's Good. these are in the the top five, and I actually did a an initial of what I thought she might pick. And we were pretty close. So, all right, Michael, what do you got? Number five. Coming in at number five is Brian Hirsch, H-E-R-S-C-H. Never Brian, heard of that probably game. the only time you'll get a shout-out on this show, <laughs> but Brian Hirsch's classic from 1989. That is Taboo, T-A-B-O-O. And in Taboo, there is a word at the top of the line, such as bacon. And then there are four or five words below that you cannot say. This was published by Milton Bradley. Like for bacon, you cannot say pig, eat, breakfast, sausage, or eggs. And you've got to get people to guess bacon and then move on down the list. I think I have that right. It's been a long time. been a good 20 years since I played me some Taboo because it's on my wife's list of top (laughs) games, not my list of top games. But this is is number five for Mrs. Emily McCabe goes by Emmy Taboo. Is there a, another game on her list that is similar to this? No, but okay. she loves games like this. So the the one that I thought may be on the list is Trap Words, which is a oh, very yeah, yeah, yeah. similar we game. We love that. Except your opponents are coming up with the words that you can't say. Right. So it's a, it's a very similar type of game, 
but you're instead of the card just having words that you can't say, your opponent is and we trying got to trap, trap words you. from you, yeah. either as a gift or I bought it from you. I don't know how, but it came from from <laughs> you. So thank you for that, and we love that one. We bring that out with family and, and other friends. I thought that'd be a taboo um, killer. No, taboo is the one from her childhood that had to make it where I could see her searching like. If it's my list, here's the one that I played I can as do a anything. Kid. I can do anything on this list. Taboo. And I said, no, you can't. Oh, it's your list. Yep, okay, <laughs> taboo. Thanks for doing that instead of cribbage, another game that I can't stand. Anyway, that's uh, supposed to be a positive. positive. Yeah. Go ahead, Doug. All right, so the uh, number five for Katie, my wife, is Medium. Medium mm. is a party-style game published 2019. Daniel DeLay, Lindsay Sherwood, Nathan Thornton are the designers. Greater Than Games is the publisher. Two-day players, 30 to 45 minutes, 10 and up. In the process of this game, uh, each person, you're, you're going around the table in a circle, and you are going to be teammates with each person that's on either side of you. And on your turn, you're going to play a card down, and your teammate's going to play a card down, and you're going to try and count to three and say a word at the same time, and hopefully it's the same word. So if I put down stripes and somebody puts down animal and we say one, two, three, and then one of us says tiger and the other one says zebra, then now those are the two words. It's a great game. And so you're then trying to to uh, mind meld with your with your teammates to to make those connections and it often leads to hilarity yeah. as you go around the table. And it's funny to see some people that are like, oh, they're going to be great, that they just cannot get it together. And others are like, first turn right every away. time. So great she game. loves that game. We've played it with our wives. Had I taken my wife down to the game room, it may have made the <laughs> list. That That's a really good one, Doug. Awesome. All right, number four, Michael. Number four is the Renardi Classic Shanghai Rummy. It has actually made my high five in the past. Uh, Shanghai Rummy is a version of Rummy where you have sets and melds. Or, I'm sorry, sets and runs. And in order to meld, you have to play your set or run. And then once um, once you have meld, you can then play on other people's. So there's this wonderful balance of when do I play, when do I hold. You're penalized if you do not. You're penalized for the cards remaining in your hand at the end. So the game starts out with basically you have to have two, three of a kinds, and you put them down in front of you. And then the next one you have a set of at least a three of a kind and a run of four in a row of the same suit or more. Uh, There's also a little mechanic in Shanghai Rummy where you can ask to pick up and then the person to your left can block it. So you actually within, you say, can I have that? And the person, it has to go all the way around the table. So Katie could say yes, Emily could say yes, but then it gets to you and you say no, no, no not <laughs> allowing you, it. And when you block it, you pick up two cards off the top. So uh, probably did way too long of an explanation, but it is on my wife's list. It is a family favorite a game that I had never played till I met her family. And my mother-in-law is the Shanghai rummy queen <laughs> on planet earth. She is the greatest Shanghai rummy player in the world. And when you know, Abolita is about to go out by her cursing and muttering to herself. <laughs> so she'd be like, Oh, look who's getting lucky over there. Michael. Oh, must be St. Patrick's day. Oh, Michael's about to go out. And then all of a sudden, 
bam, Amalita throws down all 17 cards. It goes out, and we're all left with points. So uh, number four, Shanghai Rummy. Don't have a board game geek date because it's just one of those card games like Sheep's Head or Euchre or Hearts or Spades. But in our family, it's good old Shanghai Rummy. All right, number four for Katie is Seven Wonders Architects. This is mm. from episode Cult 51. We talked about that. Yeah, published in 2021. Antoine Bauza. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Repost Productions. I'm going to leave that in there. Two to seven players and ages eight and up. We go in great length on the podcast episode 51 on the this awesome game. game. Great game. You are you have a very simple choice every turn is either picking a card from the center that you don't know what it is or a card from in between you, uh, the players on either side of you. And then you're adding that, trying to build up your wonder. When the wonder is built, that ends the game and whoever's got the most points wins. And she's also a fan of regular Seven Wonders. But I think the simplicity of this one kind of eked out the original. Well, the time. It's yeah. it's over and done in 20 to 30 minutes. I am guessing this is a game that will continue to be on different high fives. And yeah. whenever a list from 2021 comes up for me, th- this game's going to be on there. I love yeah. that game. Great, great pull, Katie. All right, number three. Number three. Unusual Suspects from 2015, designed by Paolo Mori. Also did uh, Ethnos and other games that are on Doug's shelf that I love and do not yet own. But Unusual Suspects, uh, published by... Yeah, there you go. Um, There you go. That was a good connection there. Um, Is it Simon or Come On today? It is Uh, Come On. Cool Mini or Not today (laughs) is known as Come On. I cannot find this game, Doug. So the quick backstory on Usual Suspects, I tried to get for my wife for her birthday, and it was like $100 on eBay. I said, no, thank you. It's still out there for around $50. I just don't feel like paying for it that much. But great little game where you're trying to deduce... Um, who the criminal who is. Who the criminal is. Work together and eliminate the innocent people, a game based on first impressions. Quick note, when you only want to play with close friends or family because you can, the stereotypes can run amok, and in all honesty, you can really hurt feelings. But uh, as a family game, my wife absolutely loves this. It's in Doug's collection, and I am on the look for it. So, dear listener, feel free to email <laughs> us at email at GameSchooler if you're looking to sell a copy, and I'll pay for shipping to our zip code. $400. Um, no, not that much. He's willing to pay as, as high as 500 To uh, 2015 release, I'll give you 20 bucks for it if you're trying to clear it off your shelf. There you go. <laughs> All right, but yeah. it has to be after Lent because I'm not buying games. Shoot. So, so post-date that email. <laughs> All right, so that, that Katie pointed to that one on her list as well. Didn't make the list, but uh, she oh. likes that one as well. And a game we like playing together with our families. It's just a lot of fun. It goes quick. Um, yeah. Fun game to play with my cousin, who's a state's attorney. Oh, he's, wow. He's very good at first impressions. Okay. Uh, number three for Katie is, uh, we talked about in episode two, Ticket to Ride, a classic 2004 Designed by Eleanor Moon, Days of Wonder, 30 to 60 minutes, ages 8 and up. Uh, Ticket to Ride, awesome train game. You are collecting train cards to put down uh, routes. It's a very rummy-style game in which you are collecting uh, different colored cars to to play down and then connect two cities together and score points by doing that. And uh, This is one of the first games that was in our collection, and she has loved it since then. Um, not much more to say about that. It's a classic. So 
Like I said, if you want to deep dive into that episode two, and, and we've got some skill Go back and listen. for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And coming in at number two for Emmy is Azul. I talked about it at length last week. It was number one on my Spiel de Jars list, but this is Michael Kiesling's award-winning game from 2017 and also the recommended Game of the Weekend episode. No idea. Seven. seven. Thanks, yes. Doug, for that yes. contribution <laughs> of this very podcast, the one that you hosted. Uh-huh. Um, that was no. the one I hosted? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, we hosted together. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, Azul, it, we I talk about it every week on this podcast. It's awesome, and it's my wife's second favorite game of all time. All right. Unfortunately, we have to dip into the, the vat of unobtainium for <laughs> Katie's number two. Oh, shoot. Which is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, a gemstone mining game. Published in 2018 by the Op and Passport Games. Three I to hear seven the anger players. level of our listeners going up, 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 I've up, got up, good up. news for you. Not family-friendly good news, but good news nonetheless. It takes about 60 minutes to play. It's a great game uh, about uh, pressing your luck and, and grabbing gems out of a bag, trying not to bust, and scoring points with what you collect. So there's two, two notes I have on this. Katie was waffling between this game and Ink and Gold, which is a very similar type of game which is readily available. The other thing I found out while researching this game is this has been re-implemented by Friday the 13th Horror at Camp, oh, Camp Crystal Lake, also published by The Ops. So I am not bringing that game into my house. I know, house. but I, I just wanted to tell people that there is a re-implementation hey, available. children, have you ever heard of this character named Jason? It's not friendly to be name. confused with Michael Myers. That's a friendly name, Jason. Let me scare you like my older sisters did to me when I was five years old. I and believe- to this date, there's a reason why I've never played hockey or ice skated. It's because of that. Series. I believe Thanks, I, Doug. I believe I said it was not family Ooh, friendly. <laughs> yeah. Now I uh, will not be sleeping tonight. So All anyway, right. number two, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, a gemstone <laughs> mining game. Where are we at? We at number one for number Emmy. one. All right. We gonna sync up here. We are. Don't know, but along the line of press your luck and bag belt builder, this is a 2018 mm-hmm. uh, Wolfgang Warsh designed Quex of Quedlinburg. And I, I've talked about it a few times. If you want to hear a lot about it, go back and listen to episode 49. I go on a huge rant. <laughs> There's just so much love for that game in our house. I don't have any of the expansions yet. You know why? Because we just keep playing the base game. There's a lot of variety so in there. I am putting all my weight, and um, I'm hoping they're going to have a huge deluxe box. That'll be as the, bigger than this table, bigger than the Calyx. But we love Quacks of Quedlinburg. I, I don't want to... First time we got this to the table, all right? I had struck out on trying to get games to the table um, with neighbors. It was in that time of COVID where people had a bubble. I don't know if you remember that, but we had people that were in our bubble um, that were over. And I finally said, you know what? Forget about it. I'm getting this to the table. And I took the box off. And you know that sound that whoosh as you pull the lid up and shake it and got it out. And my wife looked at it and she picked up the board and she looked at it again. She said, this art is amazing. I thought, yeah. And we got it to the table. That's my wife's favorite game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Number one for Mrs. McCabe is Quacks of Quedlinburg. All right. My wife's number one. Katie's number one. 
was instantaneous. No debate on this one. And that we talked about in episode 11. That's Dream Home. Dream Home. Yeah. This is her favorite 2016 Clemens Kalecki. Rebel is the, the publisher. Two is to it four Rebel player. or Rebel? Rebel? I'm assuming Rebel, but who knows? Uh, two to four players, 30 minutes, ages seven plus. Uh, just a fun little drafting game about building building your dream home and, and filling up the rooms. And uh, she loves it. Uh, so check that one out, episode 11. We did have two honorable mentions. One was Catan, which I think she has a real soft spot for based on uh, that was one of our first hobby games that we ever Aww. played. And then the other one is could be why it's still in my collection. And it's so bizarre to me that this is a game that she really likes. And every time I show it to her, she's like, oh, yeah, I really like that game, which is Airlines Europe, which is huh. a, ga- a game published in 2011 by Alan R. Moon and Rio Grande Games. And it has a, a similar mechanism to Ticket to Ride, but it adds a, like a stock market and yeah. company control level to it, which is not up my wife's wheelhouse in any way whatsoever. I haven't played that game yet, Doug. That I don't know why it's so appealing to her, but every time I'm like, oh, I think I might get rid of it. No, don't get rid of it. I love that game. You know what you should do this weekend? So, because we have a free weekend. You should buy a big old brisket and invite us over, and we'll play some Airlines Europe and some Unusual Suspects. Doesn't that sound like a good weekend? All the games that you have in your collection. That yeah, it might happen. Yet. might happen. <laughs> All right, so that is the high five or our wives' favorite games. Our wives' favorite games. And so before we wrap up here, just want to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Thank you. Like us on Facebook. We're also available on Twitter at GameSchoolerU. Hopefully very soon on YouTube if you're watching this right now. Hello. And last, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Now get out there and keep game schooling.